0: Good evening, guys. Let me just catch up a little bit. Just find a feed. There we go. I'll pin that to the top. Hi, guys, and welcome as always to Live and Undrugged uh, Series 2. Um, it's great to have you here. Um. I will put up my sponsors at the end of this podcast. This evening, I am very blessed to be speaking to Hollywood actress, Catherine Norland. Uh, some of you may know her from the Diamond videos, um, which are really big on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Catherine about her life and some of her work. Hi Katherine, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you for your time.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Um, This is going to be fun. I can already tell. (laughs) I can already tell you're going to go deep. So let's
0: see. Yeah, (laughs) I I, I like to be honest. Um, We have an honest show here, and I think people appreciate that. I just want to take you back to the start, really, the start of your journey. You weren't always from Hollywood. Um, Tell me a little bit about your upbringing and... um, you know, how you ended up in Hollywood, really?
1: Well, I grew up in a small town of 9,000 people in a very cold place, Minnesota, or sometimes I would joke, Minnesota. Um, Yeah, lots of below zero temperatures. Uh, You know, I never quite felt like I fit in there. I felt like a square peg in a round hole and just couldn't. I don't know, I just couldn't wait to kind of leave that place. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there came a time when I graduated high school, and I was going to Bible college, like a correspondence course, where they'd send you the stuff, the homework, and you'd send it back and all that. And I just felt, felt like God was telling me to move to California and become an actress. And I, at first, I just rejected that idea. I was like, "What are you talking about? I never even did a play in high school." How, like, "How could I? I think I auditioned for one and then I didn't get a part, so I thought, well, I must be terrible." So, you know, what would the point be of doing that? But finally that that just voice that got feeling it wouldn't relent, so I drove to Hollywood, loaded up my car, and 6 hours after I got into town, I had my first audition. I've had over 800 since and I've had fun being in more than 150 productions, not counting the more than hundred episodes I've done for Darman. And it's been a fun and challenging journey for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it must've been, I, I kind of dip my toes into the, uh, in, in, in into the film business. Um, I occasionally get asked to go and consult on a certain lifestyle um, to uh, certain to, like directors and things, um, mm-hmm. I, I was very very lucky to have been able to um, kind of get thrown into the fire um, for uh, Joanna Hogan, and uh, Martin Scorsese um, for the um, Souvenir, um, where I play Ray, and I I I got to speak to the actors about my life and kind of do 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 this, but. Um, you know, I've 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 played a serial killer for uh, CBS and things like that, all from a sleepy little Norfolk town in 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 the UK. I don't think I could handle the um, the heat of Hollywood. Let's say I, I mm. think it would uh, affect me really quite quickly. There must be a lot of negativity there.
1: There is, but I feel like you find that anywhere. Truly. I mean, I think whatever you go looking for, you'll find, <laughs> but I mean, things are heightened for sure. Uh, appearances, uh, how you want to come across people faking their lifestyle or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of trickery, a lot of ma- magic stuff. Uh, yeah, but that, I don't know. I feel like with the prevalence of Instagram and people making their page look perfect and photoshopped and i i just feel like that's kind of everywhere now
0: it, it is it is and I, I struggle with it being a parent i do i do struggle with it you know i, I have um teenage daughters uh, i have a teenage son uh you, you know all right the boy's not really into facebook or instagram and stuff but my my teenage daughter is and you know I I dip my toes into it and I look at it and I say are these people presenting their their life in a certain way with the flash cars and um you know the the photoshopped uh the photoshop pictures and which is a bugbear of mine anyway um you know I wrote a book about ex- exploitation um and I that- I think it is
1: is that the book um, between the street lights and the
0: red light? It is. Or is yeah. it a different? No, it's, okay. it, it's 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 the same one. You know, in that book, I I referenced the fact that you, you know human trafficking is in a lot of places and it's masked as a lot of different things. You know, it's not just sexual slavery; it's exploitation of. Um, you know, a, a, a lot through Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, um, through photos, and you know, I've, I've I've done an expose on it. It's 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 it's, it's a dark, dark world, um, and it, it does yeah. concern me as a parent. It concerns me not just as a parent, but as 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 a person. Um, and there's no regulation there. Yeah and that really kind of concerns me as well um i when we first got talking um i downloaded your book because in your book um you know you 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 do a lot of poetry but you speak about there's quite a a a, a powerful picture for, for, for the front of the book of 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 you and it's it's about plastic surgery and it's about um you know uh, the way that people present themselves over there um that's the one um mm-hmm. it, it really was a striking image and and you know when, when when i read it and i was kind of blown away by your honesty and you know it's it, it it says in there that when when you saw it from when you got there, got there how has it affected you? How has it affected your journey, uh, all these people and, and this, uh, ep- well, I won't say epidemic, but, you know, all, all these people changing themselves, um, looking younger and, and things like that? How's mm-hmm. you?
1: Uh, well, it's kind of, it's not even, wow, it's not even just Hollywood anymore. <laughs> I remember watching, um, an award ceremony once. And you know how they always have the comedic people come out in between and they're calling people up on stage and they were saying, who's sitting in this section? And who's sitting in this section? Who's sitting in this section? And then the host, he circled three people in this huge audience and he said, and these are the only three that haven't had plastic surgery here tonight. <laughs> like there's three people out of everyone actually I think it wasn't even as broad as plastic surgery I think the three he circled said and these are the only three with their real natural breasts here tonight you know mm. it was like it's like a joke and hearing a director say once you know they they were razzing this director saying how come you don't write more roles for women over 50 and you know they were getting mad because there's a, such this youth culture in Hollywood and he said I've tried to mm. do films with 50 year old women, but there's no 50 year old women in Hollywood that look 50. And I thought, wow, he's right. All the 50 year old women in Hollywood look 35. Think of them. Mm. You know, I don't, I, J Lo and uh, that, Sandra Bullock probably fits in that category. All mm. of, he's right. There are no 50 year old women who look 50 it's such a different thing now and not that there's anything inherently wrong if you want to like fix yourself up it's not even about that it's like I the way I look at it you know we're spiritual beings we're living in this earth suit having this human experience and no one would think twice if you wanted to scrape the paint off your house and paint it or get new shutters and It's like the same with us. You know, if you want to like fix yourself up in some way, okay, no big deal. But I think the problem comes when you don't love yourself and you feel inadequate and you don't feel like you can shine or you don't feel like you have worth or value anymore just because you get a couple lines on your face or just because you gain 10 pounds or just, you know, people start to feel like they're they're nothing or they don't matter anymore they get to a certain age or a certain weight and they become irrelevant and and I have experienced those times in Hollywood where the casting directors are telling me oh no you're too fat for this role you're too old you're too pale you're too you can't play this really messed up person because you're too pretty you know so there's been like times where I've been too much, but then I've, haven't been enough Or I've, you know, it's like, it's, it's when they're constantly judging you by this outer package, it's hard sometimes not to think, well, is that all I am? So I, you know, I can, I, I can see it from both sides, the like, hey, just embrace yourself. You are who you are. You've got wisdom, experience, okay hey to age. But then I, you know, I've also seen the other side where like, well, if you don't, Try to keep yourself the best possible, and if you focus only on your insides, you're going to get rejected and you know lose jobs because of it. Especially if you are an entertainer, so you you'll be passed over by someone who looks the part.
0: The un- unrealistic expe- uh, expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've never been to a. Sorry, I've been to a one casting session ever in my life. Um, you know, but I know many people that are in the the, the, the business over here, and it's just as brutal, um, I believe. Yeah. And you know I, I have friends that, are, you know, I have a friend that uh, has a a group of clinics for a, a aesthetics um, as, as as they say. And, and that's that's all fine whatever people want to do but i i worry where do you stop you know an eye lift or a, a you know i i i have a, a a nose job because i had my um my nose broken really really badly um mm-hmm. that's that i think that's the closest to cosmetic surgery that I've ever had is aesthetic surgery, straighten it and plate it and things like that. But where do you mm-hmm. stop? You know, you, you, see these, um, Hollywood actors and actresses and they've got, you know, fi- fillers in, in the lips. Um, yeah. eye lifts, perhaps tattooed eyebrows, mm-hmm. um, breast implants, cheek implants. Um, where where does it stop where do you draw the line where does hollywood draw the line on on that do they
1: yeah um they do they do there's been some actresses who've done a lot of stuff to themselves and then because it was too much or too extreme they haven't gotten work after that so they were so scared about not having the youth anymore that they went through extreme measures maybe too much maybe it didn't turn out and then it backfired and because of that they're not not getting hired or not having the work but as far as like what is too much what has gone too far I think it really has to do with your insides because I'm just gonna tie it into Mm -hmm. I remember one time my pastor was speaking about money and you know the scripture the love of money is the root of all evil money itself isn't bad just like maybe getting work done in itself isn't bad but when you become obsessed with it when you anything that you put above god becomes an idol to you and if that chase to keep your youth to keep it to keep a tiny waist to keep looking a certain way where it's come to the point where 16 year olds are getting bunches of stuff done. Years ago, it was just like, okay, once you turned 50, maybe you got a little, a little lift, a little something. Now we've got teenagers going in to have things done that they don't need to have done. And everybody like on Instagram or whatever are starting to look the same. They all have the same sleek hair the same eyebrows the same big lips like they're all it's like we're turning out like bunches of little robots of of automatron sex dolls or something i don't don't know just so people will be accepted and i think no amount of work you get done is going to make a difference if you don't love yourself it's going to be pointless it's not going to fill that hole in your heart that only God can fill.
0: I, I, I agree. I I do agree. Um, I think that I do think there needs to be more regulation on it. I do think that there needs to be more, um, focus on if you are having certain works done, then you need to see somebody, um, to have a mental health check because mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody that has, you know, has lots of plastic surgery have got mental health issues, but right. surely, like going that far into it and that deep into it, that's gonna, it's, it, it is your mental health, that body dysmorphia that, you, you know, I, look into the mirror sometimes and, you know, I, I see my face a lot on, on these and, you know, I, I've thought, yeah, you know, maybe, a, you know, I, I don't know, but maybe the cream <laughs> uh, to sort out the skin and that. But then again, okay. if I did that, where would it stop? I know for me, I have an excessive personality. I do things in excess when it comes to uh, drink or other things. And I end up in a, a certain way. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that if I was thought like that and was chasing that, I, I would be the same down the middle of the road with plastic surgery and, you know, body sculpting and stuff like that. You know, I think I need yeah. lose a bit of weight, but... Mm-hmm. You know, where where do you stop with that as well? You know, it's, I don't know. I I try to teach my kids that beauty comes from within. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what you look like on the outside. It's just how you treat other people and how other people treat you. Mm -hmm. But they go to school and then they have these influences of the other kids at school and things like yeah. instagram and uh, all these photos that are sc- sculpted by an artist um you know wh- whether it's actual um cosmetic surgery or whether it's airbrushing it's it's all the same to me it's all it's it's, it's all going a bit too far i really do struggle with it because my kids see that yeah. and they think well why is my body not good enough why don't i look right i'm not a size zero i'll never be a size zero um you know right and they they believe that but you know they see these ladies and men um of all ages that stand up on instagram with the money in hand or you know the lip fillers and the against the car, unrealistic body images. Um, yeah, you know that was the reason that I chose the uh, uh, that I took the photo for the front of my book, which we you know which which is a striking not an object, written on the back of a a, a, a lady's back, um, because men are objectified too. But the thing about that strikes me about Hollywood and not just the film business, but the whole thing about Hollywood and Instagram and and this whole subculture that goes around is that it's, it's getting dangerous and what can we do to kind of educate people around there, apart from doing things like this and speaking open and honestly, because, you know, I think you were brave for writing your book, um, because I don't, I don't imagine there are many people that will go against the grain in Hollywood. Fair. Um, yeah, I, would, I, would fear.
1: yeah. Um, I am writing a book about Hollywood too. We'll see, <laughs> showing some of the really unfavorable, unsavory sides. A lot, a lot of different sides. But yeah, I, I think, you know, they've done studies on this. They've done research um, where they had like a group of guys um, rate photos, like photos of normal women and rate what they look like. And they did like a study where they showed they had people watch a TV show first, like maybe just a, a news program or I don't know, just a regular TV show. And I think this was back in the 70s or 80s. And then they would rate, then they would show them these photos of the girls and they would rate their attractiveness. Then they had groups of people, groups of men watch an episode or two of Charlie's Angels, which had the three gorgeous women. And then they brought out the same photos and had them rate the attractiveness of women. I suspect after they watched an episode of Charlie's Angels, um, all the men rated the the women as less attractive than the people who just watched a regular show before that. So, but there's like the pressure, even like newscasters nowadays um, are looking like movie stars. Like you can't even be like person that tells the news without having to come across super glamorous and I remember maybe it was eight or ten years ago I was with the director and we were working on a film project together and he he really took like a liking to me like wanting to take me under his wings and help me with my career and all that and he just kept saying no, it's too. It's too bad you didn't get started earlier. It's it's really too bad that you're this old now. And oh, it's you know, I don't think you're not you, you at the age you are. You're not going to make an acting career. This is eight ten years ago. So I like I look pretty good back then. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, maybe I can get you to be a newscaster. Like I could see his wheels were turning. Like he was trying to figure out what can I do with someone as old as you. That's you, and it was this bizarre thing. And I, I was looking at him like, "What are you talking about? I don't want to do the news. Like, that's not my thing." But he just could not see how I could possibly like have an acting career as as old as I was eight eight years or so ago. Eight or ten. <laughs> and so it's it's bizarre. It's it's twisted. It's morphed. It's. And 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 I had this experience myself after being here a number of years. I and seeing all the gorgeous people every time I go to Wad, everywhere I go, I'm surrounded by people from all over the world who were told, you're gorgeous, you should move to Hollywood and become an actress or model. So like all the most beautiful people in the world come here to pursue to cash in on their looks. And mm-hmm. I uh, are watching a documentary and I'm watching this documentary and I'm like, and I, I remember having this conversation with myself, like, oh my God, where did they find all these ugly people <laughs> to interview in this documentary? And it, it dawned on me, like, these are not ugly people. It was like the people who watched the Charlie's Angels and then had to rate regular women. I had been so used to seeing all the most gorgeous people for every day for years that when I saw just a normal looking person, I I was like, ooh, where'd they find these ugly people? So I've even fallen for that trap of what we see constantly, what we surround ourselves with. You know, you can say that about appetites. You can say, well, if you're used to steak or filet mignon, you're not going to go eat hot dogs it's it's everything we can get accustomed to seeing all of this but the problem is then then we start thinking our partner isn't good enough our spouse isn't good enough we start complaining about how our girlfriend looks how our boyfriend looks we start looking in the mirror and being dissatisfied with ourselves being down on ourselves doubting Our ability to accomplish anything to achieve anything because we're not enough so it's it's this cycle that can lead to depression and it can lead to anorexia and and everything you know the the desire to keep changing and moving and shrink that waste and don't eat and i mean to the point where people aren't even drinking water because they'll see the scale go up and then their organs are failing
0: yeah um, and I've, I've i've seen that on a personal level um, yeah i know people that have gone through uh, anorexia and, and and bulimia and it's not it's not pretty it's it's not you know it's, it's it's very hard to deal with it is it's really hard to deal with on on a on a personal level and and, and see someone tearing themselves apart like that you know the, the only way that I can sort of um, kind of link on to that is the fact that you know I've had my vices and and that you know my mm. way of life affected people in 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 such a way um, and that you know that they they, they they saw me in in such a way and they saw me do such and such and that must have been really hard for them um And seeing someone pull themselves apart, seeing someone think that what they are is not normal and then that unhealthy body image turning into dysmorphia and then that dysmorphia turning into anorexia and bulimia and, and, you know, God knows other things... It's, it's yeah, a hard bad. thing to digest and all because of the way that people want to fit in or look, you know, like you, mm. I, I, I felt I couldn't fit in for a, a long time. I, I, I couldn't, you know, give a rat's back side anymore, whether I fit in or not, but there, there was a time when I, I really, really wanted to fit in and I really, really tried um, and mm-hmm. I really felt so, so alien. And so I, I can kind of understand okay. how some of these people, especially in the unrealistic expectation that is Hollywood. Um, and i and, and feeling that way because it's not just their unrealistic expect. you know, how much harder must it be when you've got somebody saying, well, actually, you are a bit bigger than the average you know um (laughs) you've got shifty eyes i think you know your your eyes could be lifted a bit or you know your nose is a bit crooked or you know you could do with a bit bit filler in your chin you know you'd you'd look a lot better you would you know and you'd you'd probably get more you you know more castings and that's it's not the way to live and that's not the way to go and I understand the, um, the the fight and the want to get somewhere and to do something and to achieve. But where do we stop and where do they stop? It, it doesn't seem to and it seems to get worse. Hollywood, London, you know, uh, Soho. Yeah. It, and, and you're there, you're, you're, you're right at ground zero. And you see, like, like you say, you see it every day. I don't see it every day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh,
1: it, and it's it's really, we just have to look within, you know, like you said, it's, it's fine to do, it's fine to do whatever you want to do to look your best, but it's really, you know, where are you finding your satisfaction? You know, are you seeking the praise of men? Are you, Is is somebody else's opinion of you going to be what you live your life by. Well, this, this director said, if I don't lose 20 pounds, I'm not going to get the role. I tell, I, I told the director recently, I was like, well, then hire someone who's 20 pounds lighter, if that's what you want. I don't see anything in the script that says she's like a prison camp survivor, or she's supposed to be, the role doesn't require a certain size. But if, if you want that aesthetically, because you think that's going to draw a bigger audience hire someone else because I'm not going to go through that trauma and that stress of like, oh, I got to do I do this for someone else. And yeah, there are times if you get a role in a big movie, it's required that you lose or gain or something, but that's the choice. The mm-hmm. actor has the choice. Do I want to put my body through that? We've seen great actors who pack on 60 pounds for a role or lose 60 pounds for a role and, you know, that's a creative choice or whatever, but constantly having to jump through hoops to please someone else, you have to just be, you have to be happy with who you are mm. and come to terms with this ever-changing face and body you have and, And be okay with who you are. And once you're okay with who you are and you love yourself, no matter what, then okay, if you want to do a little this, a little that, like I get highlights in my hair, I get little blonde highlights. There's different, there's different stuff I do to look better. But when I wasn't loving me, it didn't matter how much stuff I did, it wasn't going to cause me to love myself. So I think it's really about looking in, coming to peace with what you've done who you are, your past, and like laying it all before God and saying, take this, you know, take this garbage, help me forgive myself, you know, because a lot of stuff we're running after and chasing is because we think then we'll be okay. If I do this, I'm finally going to be okay. If I do this, I'll finally be worthy, but that's not where your worth comes from.
0: No, it's not. It's not. Do you, do you have a- because you are so open and honest about all this, do you ever get labelled as difficult?
1: Not to my face. <laughs> I haven't heard anyone say that. <laughs> Maybe they just don't hire me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, because no, no, like, when, no, when no. I've been honest, I, I've been labelled as difficult. Um, you know, when, when I've told the truth, I've been labelled as difficult or when i refuse to do something that is against the grain that they want me to do that i think is morally against what i believe and if i refuse to do that i get labeled as difficult so i can only imagine what it's like to be a woman in hollywood who will quite happily and bravely stand up there and talking about going against these, what is now the social norm um, mm-hmm. and speak the truth. And I, I can only imagine that you might, you know, some people might think you're a, a bit, you know, too honest or, you, you know, label, I know people that have been labeled difficult, that far mm-hmm. from that, they just, they're honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have been in the situations in Hollywood with people of clout, people who could make a difference in my career, people, uh, it's possible that I could have had a bigger career and could be more well-known if I had done some of these requests by people at the top who could, you know, open doors for me but I in good conscience couldn't do their requests mm. if you know what I mean. so yeah and they would give me examples well so and so did that and that's how they got to the top and so and so did this no big deal this is what we do this is like you know casting couch situations and mm. would I be would I I most certainly could have been in a better place with my career but then would I be able to live with myself? Would I be able to look in the mirror? Would I be able to stand before God one day and say, I did my best mm. or would I've caved into the pressure? So I guess I would rather be at a place where I have peace in my life. And I think more, even more so than like talking about the superficial stuff in Hollywood, would I see is people that don't have peace and there's no money you can pay to have that kind of peace that peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and guards your mind i can go to sleep i don't have drama I don't have stress. I don't have, what did I say to this person? Could I get this? Did I tell this? Okay. We're how, what's my angle. Am I going to sabotage this girl at the audition so I can get the role instead of her, this constant competition. I got to beat this person out. And I'm just like the stuff that God has for me is for me and me alone. Nobody can take it from me. Not even Barbie's clone or mm. per- help perfect you are I don't care what you're going to do in the casting room situation if God has something for me you can't take it from me I don't care how you're trying to sabotage me and if we could all get to that place of belief and trust and knowing that God's going to work all things out for us that he's going to turn what the devil meant for evil into good and you just have you just let go of it all it's not mm-hmm. this constant oh I'm not going to you know, I've been in those situations where like I, my printer didn't work and my, so I couldn't print out my script. And I'm in this audition room with girls that are going out for the same role. And I, I, you know, there's a girl sitting next to me and the scripts. She just has her script next to her and she's looking at her phone doing whatever. And I'm like, excuse me, can I look at your script for a minute? I I wasn't able to print mine. She grabs her script, folds it up and puts it in her purse. (laughs) like (laughs) So threatened that someone might you know, that I might get the role instead of her whatever, or I've had people come out of the audition room and say, see me and say, here's what the director wants you to do. And they'll tell me something the complete opposite. So I go in the room and I screw up. Um, And I just thought they were trying to help me. So I was like, great. (laughs) So there's, there's people are, not only is there not peace, they're in a constant state of fear, of loss, of missing out, or what if I trying tooth and nail to not let anyone get one over on them? And it's, to me, that's more pervasive than anything. But people don't have peace and they don't have joy. They have moments of happiness when something good happens or when they're living the high life, but then they go home and they're depressed and they're sad and they're questioning what, why they did what they did. And they're justifying, well, I had to do this to get ahead because I had to, I had to, you know, and I, I I live my life in such a way where I don't have to go home and justify anything.
0: Yeah. And and, and that's a good thing. That's, that's a good thing. It's, It's nice to be able to have a, high expectation of self and and a good self-worth. You mentioned a lot about God and, um, you know, I know that your faith means a lot to you, Um, you know, as, as mine does, you you know, we've we've spoken of it before, but um, what's it like being uh, a Christian in, in Hollywood and surrounded by all, all of that and that, that negativity
1: Um, well, it's, it's choices, you know, it's choices. I have to make rips decisions that, you know, aren't always easy to make. And, you know, and sometimes like I have a friend in Hollywood who's an actor and he plays a lot of bad guys and there's a lot of, um, you know, bad guys usually have a lot of cuss words. So he says, you know, he's sometimes saying bad words in the scripts. And there's other Christians that that'll be like, how dare you? How dare you, you know, supposed to be a man of God. And, you know, it, it it is sometimes like, what is that separation between what this character of mine is doing on screen and who I am personally? Like, I don't swear in real life. Like, I don't know. Uh, people probably, they never hear me swear. But there, there are times in a film where I I say swear words and that shocks people sometimes. I'm like, well, that's that was that character and what they were going through. and You know, but like, uh, like this friend of mine, uh, actor Mel Novak, he sometimes gets roles where they want him to say JC or GD and he won't do it and he's been threatened to be fired, and it's been, you know, uh, he has lost roles because of it, but, you know, you have to know for yourself where you want to draw the line, and it's, it's, it took me uh, several years to get to the point where I could openly speak about my faith and not be worried. Um, I don't consider myself a Bible thumper, and, but I do, you know, if you look at my, youtube or my instagram i talk about god all the time i don't feel like i'm shoving it down anyone's throat because it's my page i could talk about what i want to on my page you know um but you know when you're in networking situations you you know you have to just really feel out is is now an appropriate time you know you don't have to wear your faith on your sleeve or feel like You don't have to go around, tell everyone I'm a Christian. You should be a Christian. You should love God. You should, you know, I heard, I heard, I was at a, heard this preacher once say, you know, a light bulb doesn't go around telling everyone I'm a light, I'm a light, I'm a light. It just shines. It just brightens the room. And sometimes that's all we have to do is just shine, just brighten the room. And people will come up to you and say, Why are you different than everyone else? How come you have peace right now when everybody else is freaked out? How come, you know, you just just stand out when you have that comfort, when you know everything is gonna be okay. And even if it's not okay, I'm gonna be okay because I know the one who holds the world in his hand. So no matter what's going on in the world, I know who's on the throne, and no matter how scary it gets, I know he's got my best interest in mind. So I can have that smooth sailing where I'm, I'm not affected. And people sometimes take that as like, "Don't you care?" But it's you know, it's not mm-hmm. that at all. I just I just have peace. Why should I stress out about a situation I have no control over? How does that even help? It all it does is put me in a spiral where I'm now not making the right decisions because i'm acting out of fear Mm. and the moment we into fear we're out of faith
0: exactly exactly i speak a lot about my faith uh, especially on there as you said it's my platform um so Mm -hmm. i should be allowed to speak about what i want to speak about and a lot of my followers and, and my fans they they um even though they wouldn't you know, many of them will call themselves atheists. I think that, you know, a lot of them have said that they they appreciate the fact that I'm honest and open um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: about it and that I don't actually ram it down people's throats. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not the sort of person that will stand there and, 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 and shout in the face of someone and say, you should live like this, you should. Li-. I'm not, but I can't speak about that, you know, the way that I live my life what I can do is I can make suggestions and I can say, well, actually, you know, I was reading the other day, um, you know, and I came across this verse and it might help you in your situation. Um, and that for me, you know, I I love the Bible and I, yeah, I get, I always thought there wasn't a manual for life until I found, um, the Bible and how to read it properly. Um, and actually everything's in there that, that you need to know about, um, kind of spookily. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's been a great help for me. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I've had a lot of people, you know, I've had gangsters on here I've, I've had people that have been in, in jail for, um, killing people. I've had, uh, people that have been, uh, self-confessed terrorists, uh, bank robbers, um, people in recovery um, and they all say that God has been relevant in their life, whether they believe in him or not. And I think that that's a powerful thing when you can get a room full of broken people and they can all connect through that, one thing you know god that one thing that one word um yeah for, for some people whether it's out of love or you know hey it will always it will always spark a conversation and it you know that's why i i, I love it so much and i love doing this so much because i get to find out about people's faiths you know um and, and spirituality i think it's it's very important that we have faith in such a difficult time um -hmm. how how has the pandemic uh, um affected you How, how has covid affected um hollywood
1: um i you know i think it's affected us the same way a lot of people are being affected you know production shutting down loss of jobs things like that Now, you know, they just have a lot of protocols in place where they're testing you every day before you shoot and you're wearing your masks and stuff on set. And there's they've now, you know, compliance officers. It's it's been bad because it's been the death of little films like that. Little films are usually what I work on. Mm. I've never done hundred million dollar films, but so. You know, having a compliance officer on set for COVID, if you've got a little film you're trying to make for $30,000 and now a COVID compliance officer costs $7,000 of your budget, that's, you know, more than a quarter of your budget to, to to make your film. And, you know, it's it's really, I think it's stopped a lot of little independent filmmakers mm. from able to showcase their crafts and if you kind of look at what's coming out in Hollywood it's super super big budget movies and the little like the little sleeper movies the little dramas the little thrill the little thrillers horror films you're not seeing that happen because those people have been squashed out Mm. they you know you don't have the big budget to afford like all the new COVID stuff or whatever it's it's making it so the smaller filmmakers can't even make their films anymore. Um, yeah, and you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff, you know, with the pandemic that, you know, there's people who get, who don't, there's people that I know, people on all sides, people that are pro the, the right. vaccines and people that are anti. And, you know, the studios have all made rules that without it, you can't work. So I've had people confess to me, like, I don't think there's been enough testing. I don't know if this is safe. I don't know if I should take it. But if I don't, I can't work. So there's also that, like, fear, like, their lifelong dream on if they don't comply. And, you know, so I think it's beyond even, like, the the physical aspect there's a lot of mental anguish going on because of it too
0: yeah yeah i mean it's it's well we're not too bad in england at the minute um you know and i've been on sets that have had um you know covid <laughs> and stuff like that um I've, I've been quite lucky you know but um it's 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 been quite easy Um, especially, you know, doing the the supporting artist stuff. But, uh, you you know, I also know a lot of people that have been greatly affected by uh, when we first locked down and then we locked down again and all the confusion about what you were allowed to do and what you weren't allowed to do. It has caused a lot of smaller companies, a lot of the smaller film independent filmmakers to falter and fall. And I think it's really really sad because i love to see um independent movies. you know that that's my bag i love independent movies um no budget low budget independent movies you know you'll see all the vhs in the background a lot of them aren't big budget hollywood films a lot of them are Some of the smaller budget Hollywood films are British films because I have an affinity for that. And I think that we're coming close to losing it because of all the um, politics that is running in in, in the film industry in in, in Britain and I suppose over in in the States and everywhere. Uh, You know, I love the New Zealand film industry, but New Zealand is shut. It's closed. Uh, Australian films. Some of them are the best films that I've ever seen. Australia is closed, and it's just—it's so sad to see. You know, mm-hmm. our longest-running soap, which is called Net—I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Neighbors. It's been going like 36, 37 years. Um, Australian, and it's always been on British telly, uh, and it's been—it's been pulled because. I, I think some of it's to do with COVID and I think some of it's to do with um, uh, the companies not getting the funding that they needed um, and that must have surely been affected by COVID policies over, over there in Australia um, and and here. And it, I, I just think it's really, really sad to see like a, a an institution um, mm-hmm. fall Um it's, it's, it's not a nice thing to see. And I can see more things doing yeah. that. You know, yeah, a
1: lot of shop shops closing because the restrictions, you can only have this certain number of people now in your restaurant at a time. Also here in LA, I don't know what it's like where you are, but you can't go into a restaurant or get your hair cut or do anything unless you show proof that you've been vaccinated so wow. you have to carry this car with you to even be able to you know go to the movies go to a restaurant have your hair cut mm. whatever so yes yeah, it's it's it's, in, it's interesting times we're living in and you know you could argue that they're just trying to be do their due diligence you could argue that it's you know tyranny <laughs> there's a lot of people's opinions it's it's really inflaming and it's the sad thing is it's separating it's separating a lot of people and I feel like the enemy's tactic you know for years we were separated with racism and this is I feel like this is like a new form of the vaxxed against the unvaxxed or you know creating these enemies where we're fearing fearing each other the yeah. people who have, are scared of those who have because of protein shedding mm-hmm. then there's you know those who haven't who are fear that you're gonna get them sick and it's just it's a lot of fear mongering and I, I saw someone post something the other day that said something about about who controls the media you know the money the fear their feet mm-hmm. the fear the fear the you know big pharma is feeding feeding the media they're feeding them fear and fear is what makes people more sick so the more sick you are you know then you need the then you need the big pharma to get you better so it's like this cycle let's get you scared and get you sick and get you you know and and i i don't mean to sound like a conspiracy theorist i feel like i'm middle of the road. And I'm kind of just taking what I hear both sides Mm. saying and trying to decipher for myself, like which, which, which one seems more accurate, you know, which, where do I, where do I see myself fitting into this? And, and I don't, I don't see myself picking sides. I don't see myself Mm. picking right and left or this, or I just see myself trying to be like, God, what do you want? What is your way? I, you, don't know what lies are being told to us we don't know what's we don't know so we just need to walk in obedience to what we hear god is telling us to do that's right for us and just yeah. pray for the outcome, whatever it is
0: yeah that that's 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 a big one here you know um I don't think the rules are as heavy as they are over there. We don't need to show proof of whether we're vaccinated or unvaccinated. I do think we're under great pressure to get vaccinated. Um, yeah. Receiving text messages pretty much every day and emails. And, you know, every time you look on Facebook, it's like, have you had your COVID jab and stuff like that? I'm I'm, I'm personally double jabbed because I've got um, certain illnesses that I need to hang. And I, I have had, COVID, I had it quite bad. I was really quite ill, but I feel that I would have been a lot iller had I not been vaccinated. Um, Mm. Mm -hmm. Whether I'll go for my third jab, I don't know. Um, But, you know, I've had to. Um, But COVID is, is kind of, our government isn't the greatest government. And there's a lot of hypocrisy and and there's a lot of saying things that are not happening and as a country we are you know we we, we're not going to be forced to wear masks soon we're not even going to be forced to isolate soon even if we have got covid um Hmm. and i know it's scary times for some people um and, you know, I pray into that. It's affecting my church greatly. Pretty much all the leaders are now down with COVID. Um, but, you know, uh, by the grace of God, they're all sort of recovering um, and, and and getting back to normal. Um, I think it's going to be, a, COVID is going to be a big part of life for many years to come. Um, mm. I think it's just something we're going to have to get used to. Um I understand you, uh, you, you. You know, you know you've, you've got you've you've got kids. You're a mother as well. Um, mm-hmm. Is it one that is of special needs? What was what's that like?
1: Um, yeah, my fourteen year old. I mean, technically, my three year old has also been diagnosed with autism, but I, I'm kind of not not that i'm sticking my head in the sand i just don't see it Mm. i just don't see it because i see my older one and i see how i see the big difference they were both born prematurely Uh, my older one was almost four months early so that caused a lot of issues um my second one i got so sick um It was an emergency C-section 10 weeks early. They had to take him out of me because I was going to die. I had put on a hundred pounds within a few months and I had such edema. I had preeclampsia. And so I got to the point where my organs were shutting down. My liver and kidneys weren't functioning. I was going into heart failure. My lungs were filled with liquid. I couldn't breathe They thought I was going to have a stroke. It was like, I was, they, when they saw that, that they told me it was the worst case of preeclampsia. My doctor had ever seen, and he's been doing this for 30 years. They were actually really surprised. They didn't lose me. And I was in, you know, the cardiopulmonary unit. Um, So it, it was, it was true. Both times uh, that I gave birth was pretty traumatic. The first time more, I think for my son and the second time more for me, but um, it, it was certainly a challenge uh, having raising a special needs child. He's 14 now. Uh, we've come into a good place and a rhythm, and you know the expectations are different. Uh, but you know, when he was first diagnosed, it was a lot of... I don't know if I want to use the word mourning, but it kind of fits mourning for what he'll never become, mourning for the things he'll never do, thinking about the rite of passages he'll never have because initially the doctors were telling me he would never walk or talk. So you're thinking about he's never going to be a dad. He's never going to give me grandchildren. He's never going to go to college. He's never going to play football. He's never, you know, all this, you know, you, when you find out you're pregnant or you're having a baby, you're just flooded with all these, like, what is their life going to be like? How is this, you know, when it shifts to, he's never going to be able to do any of those things Hmm. or, you know, you, your mind is really good at playing worst case scenarios and, and then you're thinking, I'm going to have to take care of this child for the rest of my life. They may never, you know, and so it really did a number on me mentally for a number of years. And I was angry with God for a while. And I was even resentful towards this child who had nothing to do with it, you know, had nothing to do with it. And it took it took a long time for me to like four and a half years for me to come to terms with being okay with who he was and what he, what my life was going to be like. And yeah, it was, it was difficult. And it, it's interesting because one time I was sharing about some of the difficulties on Facebook many years ago, and this woman got so angry that I was sharing the, the difficulties because she was like, how dare you say that raising a special needs child is a challenge. You should be so joyful and grateful. And it's a, it's a blessing. And how come you can't say, and I was thinking to myself, boy, you know, I felt really bad for expressing that I, I wasn't always joyful and grateful for this, you know, gift God's given me. So, you know, I, I stopped talking about, I stopped talking about it for a long time and I still don't, I still don't really talk about it all that much. I'm being more and more open, but like some people, their whole life is based around their special needs child. They have their whole social media pages, mom of a fill in the blank child, wheelchair bound, paraplegic, cerebral palsy, autistic child, like their whole identity becomes tied up in a diagnosis. And I thought, I don't ever want that to be my thing. I don't ever want me to be like, oh, I'm the mom of the special needs child. It's just like, then he's having the, I don't want him to have these labels. He didn't even know He didn't even know he was special needs till he was, I would say at least eight or nine, maybe 10. I just never brought it up. We never talked about it. We just act. We just did life the way you do life normally. And I would, was not the one that'd be like, oh honey, you can't do that because you know, you know, there's certain things where I had to have him be careful because he had, does have cerebral palsy and he does fall down a lot and wears leg braces and sometimes uses a walker in a wheelchair but I wasn't going to be the one to put limitations on him and I, I feel like that sometimes I see parents do that they put they try to put their kid in a bubble so they think they're protecting them but then they never get to experience the ups and the downs of life. So it's, it's been a challenge, but it's, been, it's only made me better.
0: Yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, um, I have kids that um, really struggle with anger issues sometimes and, and, and behavior and mm-hmm. it gets difficult and I don't always feel blessed. I know that the life that I have is a blessing um, because I didn't always have this life and, you know, I've had people tell me, it sh- you know, I should feel it's a blessing. It doesn't always feel a blessing. Yeah. It's hard. Right. It's very hard at times, uh, dealing mm. with it. And, you know, I don't always deal with it the best way that I can. Um, you know, and I sometimes shout and I stamp my feet and I, you know, I do the angry dad, but you know, Could be a lot worse for me. It, it you right. know so yeah, I there's I, there's
1: one counting your blessings is one thing, but I'll you know you don't always feel like you're blessed, you don't always feel the joy. And I think it's okay, you know, to not to have different emotions. God gave us our emotions. We we have to be at a place where we can have. The balance though, of not letting our emotions run us. But if we, if we keep suppressing them and pushing them down, you know, it's like that beach ball that you push it underwater and the further you push it down, the more it springs up and the higher it goes. So you're, it's okay to feel like, Oh, this is hard. Mm. Um, but yeah, to have that balance of counting your blessings, but yeah this is coming with it. And this I'm unsure. I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm sleep deprived. I don't, I don't know what's happened. I don't know if he'll get better. I don't know if my prayers will be answered. You know, there's a, there's a lot of uncertainties, but you know, trusting that God's still holding you in his hands and the situation is going to work out has made all the difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, I, I, I have trust in, in God. Um, I don't always exercise that trust. I'm, I'm not the best at handing over, you know. Um, I know they say surrender to win. That's not always easy um, because, A, I'm British, uh, and, B, I'm Northern, uh, and, C, I'm stubborn. So, you know, it's, we. I, you know, I, I do need to give over to God a little bit more. I think my life might be a little bit easier if I did. Um, Yeah. Can you tell me me about Dharma? You work a lot with what What's that Mm -hmm. like?
1: Um, It's a lot of fun. Uh, So for those who don't know, that's a, a, they make small little short films that are kind of morality pieces or how to treat each other, judge a book by its cover. And I think he's made over 500 videos now, maybe close to 600. Who knows? I've been in over a hundred of them, which so far is more than uh, any other actor. Um, it's 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 fun. It's it's mm-hmm. a beautiful t- growth, um, and to 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 be able to be in films that you can show your kids because there's yeah. a lot of I've been in that I'm like you can never watch this. Film. <laughs> you could never see this film.
0: Yeah,
1: um, See mommy screaming at zombies and chopping their heads off and swearing. and uh, <laughs> That never needs to be part of your life. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, do something like that, that you can. And, you know, I think more now than ever, probably for the last 10 years, I've, it's really been on my mind. What legacy am I leaving? And I'm happy to say you know being part of of the darman episodes and that series it's it's like i can go you know this is something that is making a difference in the world i see it Hmm. from you know the messages i get um every day on social media about how people really enjoy these episodes and how much it's changed them or made a difference or stopped them from hurting themselves or you know it's nice to be part of something that doesn't just have entertainment value. Yes, it would be really super fun to be in a hundred million dollar movie where things are exploding and there's green screen and I have a slow motion running sequence, you know, that would be super fun. But I can say, you know, these little videos that some people might think are cheesy or cringe or whatever, they're actually making a difference in people's lives. You know, people are changing, they're accepting themselves. They're accepting others. They're doing things differently because of this. You know, I couldn't say that for a lot of the bigger, the bigger budget things I've been in it hasn't been life changing. So, you know, he's Darman has this slogan, we're not just telling stories, we're changing lives. And may sound corny, but it is true. It, it's true. And so, you know, I I can enjoy it and embrace it. And I've, you know, I've had people in Hollywood judge me because, oh, like, what are you doing those little things for? <laughs> you're not like a Hollywood actress anymore. You've like sunk to this level where you're doing little, little after school specials, (laughs) you know, people can be very judgmental, but I don't know, I'm enjoying the ride and I I like it. And I like the difference it's making. And I feel like people care too much about prestige or being seen as being in the in crowd. So to some people in Hollywood, I might be, um, they think that maybe I have lowered my standards, (laughs) But it's just so it's just so silly because you could be in a, an awful movie, like a movie with a terrible message full of stars, full of, you know, there's some very popular movies that are so sending the wrong messages, you know, that, you know, I, I you know, what am I leaving behind? That's that's mm-hmm. what it's about. The legacy I'm leaving behind. So I'm enjoying it. I don't know why I went into that whole spiel about but people do. They people, the Hollywood snobs do see you differently. Like what, what are you doing now? And I, I've gotten messages from them. Like what happened to you? You're so talented. Like why would you be doing this? (laughs) So, you know, people are always going to be critics.
0: Of course. Of course. I mean, I became aware of of you, you know, you and you, 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 we work with Darman and stuff through my children, they, you know, every Saturday morning guaranteed that they'll, they'll, they'll sit there on the TV and it'll be YouTube and it'll be just Darman one, one after each other. Um, you know, they know that I'm interviewing you and uh, they're, they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this is the only interview that I've ever done. I think that my kids have raised an eyebrow at um it's kind of giving me a little bit of credibility which is good with them which is great um i did want to i i i am you know i I know that we haven't got a lot of time left and but i did want to talk to you about one of the diamond films that you did that greatly affected me and it's the girl finds out she's adopted film and I, I saw I, um, I saw it, it came up, I saw it and uh, I, I watched the trailer and I had thought, I don't know if I can watch this. Um, yeah, I was told on my eighth birthday um, by my parents that, I'm adop- that I was adopted and that, for me, set me on a life journey of trauma. That was my first trauma uh, and that, for me, then set me on a darker road, which took a long time to come away from. Um, but I, I, I watched it anyway, and I identified a lot with it. I, I found my real family. Um, I have a great relationship with them. It was, didn't always. Um, that was Some of that was detriment to me losing communication with the family that brought me up. Um, I am now back in communication with them, but, you know, that was hard for them. I, you know, I admit, and it was hard for me. It must have been hard for everybody, but um, that, yeah, that really affected me on, on a deep level because, you mm. know, for me, adoption was my first, it, it was the first time that I felt like I wasn't, wanted i know i was loved but i wasn't wanted by someone and and that then it i don't know i guess it set me up for just trauma after trauma. it was kind of like bowling of trauma it was just trauma after trauma after trauma Uh, and that's the first trauma that i remember it might have been once before, but that was the first thing that really sort of affected me. And I wondered if, you know, you making that, um, if it affected you in any way, um, because it is a tough subject to broach. Um, and I know that the kids, like the young girl, who's a great actress, by the way. Um, yeah, she. You know, uh, I, uh, she, she played it really well. Uh, but you could you could see the pain, and you know did did that affect you in any way?
1: Um, it was such a great piece, and I was honored that they considered me for that role. Um, you know, I know many people who are adopted and felt the same thing that that they weren't that they weren't wanted, and. I have one friend in particular that because of that, it set her life constantly in bad relationships with men because she was always trying to get the man who didn't want her, always doing everything she could to bend over backwards to if she could get someone who didn't want her to want her, then she would be something. So doing, doing that role, I was, you know, I'm pulling from several, several people I know that have the story of how do I fill that hole? How do I come to terms with the people who gave birth to me, you know, not wanting me. And I, I, I wish kids would get like their parents would get them counselors when they're going to tell them that kind of information so you have someone to talk through it to walk you through it because as a child you don't have the wherewithal to make sense and you're going to constantly be saying what did I do why am I not good enough why did they not want me and you don't realize as a child it has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with you or your worthiness. It's something going on with them. So, you know, working with that great cast, Colin and Sophia, top-notch actors, they could, they could easily be Oscar winners one day. They—they just, you know, it was a real electric environment. But shooting that was difficult at times, and. You know, the little girl actor, Sophia, you know, her mom is on set and she, her mom had to like leave. She can't even, she couldn't even, it was so traumatic for her to see her daughter go there emotionally. And it was, you know, shooting things like that, It it is sensitive. It brings up a lot of emotions. It brings up a lot of past trauma for people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a place in my life now where I, I like to question more things before I allow myself to go somewhere emotionally. Um, you know, I'm always talking to my coaching clients and people who come to my YouTube channel where I make inspirational videos about keeping, raising your level of emotional intelligence and not letting your emotions whip you back and forth. So whenever I see myself going to a place of despair or feeling not worthy, not wanting whatever, I just I have to stop myself in my tracks and say, okay, why am I feeling this way? What is causing me to feel that? And a lot of times we ask ourselves the wrong questions. Like you maybe asked yourself why they didn't want you. And We don't know that we're asking ourselves the wrong questions. It's like like when we we do something silly and we mess something up we say, gosh, why am I so stupid? Why can't I do anything right? Well, the moment you start asking those questions, your brain and the devil are really good at coming up with all these reasons why you're not good enough, why you're so stupid. (laughs) So we have to instead in those situations say, gosh, well, that didn't turn out what could I have done differently? What could I have done differently so this wouldn't turn out this way? And and then your brain's going to start coming up with the correct answers. Oh, you could have done this. And when we hit feel some emotional trauma, why didn't they want me? And when instead we turn it around and ask different questions like, I wonder what they were going through where they felt like they couldn't take care of me. I wonder what kind of trouble or turmoil they had going on, you know, and and all of that, it takes the emotions, it takes all of the sting out of it. We have these trying times. And like, if someone is a victim of violence, or, you know, somebody hurting them, or whatever, it's, it's easy to wallow in that pain of why me, why me, and not, not even consider for a moment, gosh, that person must, I don't know what kind of trauma they've been through where they felt like they inflict me and even even getting to the point where yeah, you have to get healed from it but even t- getting to the point where like I gotta pray for that person so they don't keep doing that to other people and it's 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 I think we get to a bad place in life when we, put everything on us and we don't stop to turn around and question why why did this happen not why me you know what could I have done differently and I think that has helped me not live in that place of emotion and and sadness and pull you know being a victim it's turned me into a, a competent survivor and not a victim of circumstances so giving yourself the power back I don't know if there's kind of a roundabout way mm. to answer that, question, but I feel like so much was tied into that. And I, I do think it was, it greatly affected the people and said, even the people behind the camera watching, you know, Sophia pour her heart out in the search. And I do think that film, Girl Finds Out She's Adopted, even affects people who aren't adopted because there's always something you're searching for. There's always that feeling that need to fit in. Even if you know who your parents are, where do I fit? Where do I belong? What tribe, what group of people, what should I do with my life? Where do I belong? So I thought it was really potent and powerful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I must admit, it affected me for longer than I'd probably like to admit, really, because, you know, I can, I, I could identify with a, a, a lot of that pain, but I could also see it, you know, I've I've got stepchildren. Um, and I know how difficult it is being a step-parent and, and them not being yours. And despite wanting them to be, yeah. Um. And you know that that opens up a whole kind of worms. I think as a per, you know, as kind of an well as an empath, um, being able to feel things on 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 a deeper level, um, it's a blessing and a curse. I wasn't always able to feel that way. Um, hmm. And then God turned my heart tender. Um, he, he He took this this man that wasn't a very nice man, and He took this man that society said was a you, you know no good, and, and turned him into something new. And and you know, he, I know you know a little bit about my journey, and it, it was like you, you know He's He's led me on this path of of, of discovery and you know i like what a lot of what you have said tonight because it comes down to identity and that's something i'm working on now you know i'm i'm, I'm looking at who we are um mm-hmm. as people who we are as parents and who we are as um tr- you know uh, children of god and what is the sort of biblical truth about adoption and identity um mm-hmm. you know and i know that we're um Prince, prince and Princesses of, of, of Heaven, I know this. I didn't always, um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm training in, in theology um, at, at my church and because I'm doing that, I'm able to find out more about my identity. My, my growth was stunted for various reasons and I didn't start to learn who I really was until i was 38 years old i'm now for i'm now coming up to 45 and it's it's a, been a journey it's been difficult it still is difficult to a to a certain thing but you know it's it's all a learning curve it's all an education um yeah and you know, I, I think it's absolutely great. I I love doing it um, because God's got a lot in store for us. So what what's he got? In, what's he got in store for you? What what what's next for you? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this year I'm going to be releasing uh, an online course called "You Are Worthy," and it's something um, having to do with self worth that really. Um, I've got three books, but it really stemmed out of the book that you were referencing and about our worthiness as found through God and our identity with him. Um, So it's really going to help a lot of people with their confidence of being able to walk into any room and feeling like you fit and you belong because you know who you are, because you know whose you are. And, you know, there's a, I've got a level one and a level two with 12 video lessons. And it's, Going through, you know, all the stuff from the exterior to the interior, being sure of who you are, making the best of what God's given you, knowing you were made on purpose for a purpose, that you are God's favorite creation, that fixing the outside won't help an inside problem. You know, just digging deep down into the layers where you can come out feeling confident in who you are and being able to you know, discover your worth, know your value and become who you were meant to be. So you have the courage and the confidence to go after your dream. So that's the big thing for me this year. I've been working on it. I started writing it in 2018 and 2019. I filmed in 2020 and 2021 and been editing it for over a year. So it's a long process, it's like making a feature film. It was like full feature length script. You know, I've got hours and hours of content i've got so much that i want to share so that's my big thing is the you are worthy course and and for all your guests i want to give everybody a copy of this for free you can download this book which is my memoir of how i went from self-hate to self-love by just going to poeticprescriptions.com forward slash free book Poeticprescriptions.com forward slash free book. Maybe you can put that in the comment. I will link Uh, it. Yeah. So that to me, that's the big thing for me this year. I'm going to continue to work on Darman. There's other films I'm working on not related to that festival's coming up. I've won a couple acting awards um, this last year. I'm working on a memoir about my 14 year old and the the time we spent 118 days in the neonatal intensive care unit and what that was like for me and the PTSD I got from that whole situation of him being on the brink of death. And, you know, I've got my hands in a lot of little things, um, films, I'm other films I'm producing and working on. But for me, that's the big one It's because it's the one that's going to leave the biggest mark, I think, to heal people from the pain of not feeling like they're enough and finally realizing they have everything it takes to succeed in life.
0: Yeah. Um, that's, that's brilliant. We need more of that. You know, we need more people to step up and, and, and create more content like that. That is stuff that I aim to create myself um, one day uh, soon. Um, you know, I, 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 I love when people, Take power over their lives, and they, um, you know, I always say if you can teach, teach, if you can't teach, teach, because it is a gift. It is, yeah. uh, if you've lived a certain life and you've gone through things that have been profound in so many ways, I think it is uh, not just a blessing and an honor, but I think it is a duty to be able to. Um, speak out um and give a voice um, to those that need it um and be that voice for those that need it if they don't have the ability to do that so i, I love it i love anything to do with recovery anything to do with um uh, yeah. you know building self and you know identity i will link that in in with this um and i'll, I'll put it across all the um all the platforms and it'll be on uh, jwgreg.wordpress.com as well. Um, okay. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll link all and we'll try and get you some, um, some students. I think that would be great. Um, I'd, I'd love to get you on for a part two. Um, a few months down the line, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, you know, uh, I know you're very busy. Um, yes. Yes. Just saying I gotta hop yeah. to my next appointment, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I respect that, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go in a second. Um, I'm just gonna um wrap up like I usually do, and we'll have a quick debrief, and then I'll let you go on about your day if that's all right. Okay, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, um, I see that there are a few comments that, that I, I will look at and I will reply to in a little while i love it that i have a um you know know, uh, followers that that like to get involved in you know when when i'm doing these live i'm so blessed uh, and so thankful for the life that i have and the ability to be able to do this and and you guys keep me going um so i'm going to say thank you guys uh, and i shall see you again um next week Cheers, guys.